I'm excited about Advent. I love Advent, and I'm ready to, to get into the Word. Thanks, thanks to Colby for, for uh, putting the Southern Bumper together and, and taking care of these graphics for our, for our Christmas here at, at New City Church. Um, this is a week of hope, and um, you'll be getting a devotional guide as well. You'll be able to, to read online to take you through every day here at New City Church every day through Advent. And uh, you'll be able to download that and, and, and pick that up and read through that. And on Wednesday nights, when there is not some other activity happening during our Christmas season, on Wednesday nights through Advent, we will, we will, be, uh, we will be digging in a, a little bit more deeply as a, a small group Bible study for adults in here. We'll be talking about these, these um, ideas of hope and peace and joy and love, and, and it'll it'll help you to have that devotional guide as well because we'll be we'll be jumping off some of that as on Wednesday nights during our Bible study so you want to pick that up you want to be here on Wednesday nights um, for our midweek Bible study through Advent season um, we're going to talk this morning about a Christmas tree in Bethlehem there is a Christmas tree in Bethlehem in 2008 back in 2008 there was an Englishman named Greg Howe and he bought a 35 foot tall Christmas tree for his house. It's a big, it's a big tree. Um, you would think that, that, that Mr. Howe had a pretty large house, right? Uh, he, he didn't have an extraordinarily extra large house, however. He, he had a two-story dwelling, and it was only 30 feet tall, both stories together. So, what did he do? You think he may have just put the tree outside of his house, decorated it? No, he, he did not do that. But what he did was he cut the tree in three equal parts, and he put the first part of the tree on the first floor. He put the second part of the tree on the second floor, and the third part of the tree he put on his roof. And if you drove by, it looked like there was a giant tree coming through his house. Fifteen foot right on top of his house, right above the bedroom. It took, it took Mr. Howe and seven of his friends two days to put, the tree, to put the tree up. They decorated it with a, 160 large ornaments, 2,000 lights, and they put a big star on top of the tree. I don't know about you, but men, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not feeling that, right? I'm not... I'm not feeling that. Michael, maybe that's a project for you. <laughs> Kinsley, if you're watching this morning, I want to, there, there are three facts about this tree, though. This tree was a big tree, really big tree. It was a, it was a dead tree, and, and outside of being a pretty tree, it, it didn't do anything of value. Uh, Mr. Howe said, he said, from the outside, it's a bit of an optical illusion because it appears to be one huge tree that has shot up through the ceiling and the floorboards and out through the roof. Out through the roof. It was just an optical illusion. But I want you to hear this morning, and we have already heard from Isaiah chapter 11, that there would be a shoot that would grow up from a stump. This tree, this shoot that would grow up, was not an illusion. Was not an optical illusion. You don't look at a distance and and be, oh wow, that's great, and then get up close and realize that it's it's not a living tree. It's not even 
it's not even put together. It's been cut up. No, you, you draw near to Jesus and you see that, that he is even more beautiful the closer you get. He is even more life-giving the closer you get. Isaiah 11, 1 through 11, we read this morning, it says a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse and a branch from its roots will bear fruit and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, of counsel and strength, a spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge, but what he sees with his eyes. He will not execute justice, but what he hears with his ears. And he will judge the poor righteously and execute justice for the oppressed of the land. He will strike the land and with a scepter from his mouth, and he will kill the wicked and with the command from his lips. And righteousness will be a belt around his hips, and faithfulness will be a belt around his waist. And a wolf will dwell with the lamb, and a leopard will lie down with the goat, and a calf, the young lion, and the fattened calf will be together, and a child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze, and their young ones will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like cattle. The infant will play beside a cobra's pit, and a toddler will put his hand into a snake's den, and they will not harm or destroy each other on my entire holy mountain. For the land will be as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the sea is filled with water. On that day, the roots of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples, and the nations will look to him for guidance. And his resting place will be glorious. On that day, the Lord will extend his, uh, his hand a second time to cover the remnant of his people who survived from Assyria, Egypt, Paphos, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Hamath, and the coasts and the islands of the west. In the previous chapter, previous chapters of Isaiah, Isaiah is, is sharing this prophecy of what's to come. And in the previous chapters, God said through Isaiah that God's plan was to cut down all of the trees of Assyria in Israel. That God was going to cut them down, lay waste to them. These trees represented, represented wealth. They represented power. They represented favor. They represented strength and might. And what God was saying is, I'm going to cut these trees down. There will be no Of Assyria in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 33, the Lord says, Look, the Lord God of armies will chop off the branches with terrifying power, and the tall trees will be cut down. The high trees fail. He is clearing the thickets of the forest with an axe, and Lebanon with his majesty will fall. Of Israel and of Judah, he says this in Isaiah chapter 9. He says, for wickedness burns like a fire that consumes thorns and briars and kindles the forest thickets so they go up in a column of smoke. See, these trees symbolized power and majesty of these two nations. And God was saying that he was going to take an axe and he was going to go through the forest of their power and he was going to cut it down and the trees would fall. When he was finished with them, with these nations, there would be nothing left for them to have pride. 
end. There will be no more might, no more power. God, because of their wickedness, because of their rebellion, because of the way they treated the poor and the oppressed, God was going to cut them down. But Johnny Cash will sing later, sooner or later, God will cut you down. devastation though that would be left behind there was going to be a shoot that was going to grow up from one of these stumps that was left behind after God comes through the forest and takes the axe to the tree and cuts down the forest and cuts down the timbers in one of those stumps a shoot would grow up And this shoot would grow into a a new tree. A shoot will come up from from the stump of Jesse. And from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. This is a living tree. Uh, As you can see on the screen, this next slide says a living tree. This imagery would have been familiar to the Jews of that day. Remember, Isaiah was a prophet to his people. He was speaking to the Jewish nation. This imagery would have made sense to the Jews. Olive trees were an important and valuable tree for the people of that region. They were a source of food, a source of medicine, a a, a base for the anointing oil. They were used in anointing kings and priests and prophets. They were able to sell oil to make income. This olive tree was an important tree to Israel. Spiritually, the oil of this tree represented peace and faithfulness and endurance. It represented new life that is possible through the Spirit. The reason this this tree symbolized new life was because this tree was virtually indestructible. They could grow in almost any soil and flourish in great heat with little water. Most of these, most olive trees can live up to, a, to an age of 500 years. And some are believed to be over 1,000 years old. Some, are, some trees, olive trees today, are even believed to have been around when Jesus walked through the garden. This passage tells us that new sprouts and trees will emerge from the olive tree, the stump roots, even if the trees are cut down. These olive trees, even if you cut one down, new sprouts will emerge. Even if a grove catches fire, a good olive tree can graft an olive shoot into the stump of that tree and grow a new tree in its place. So Isaiah 11, God is declaring that even in the devastation left behind, even when I come through and cut down every tree in the forest to bring down your pride and arrogance and bring judgment, even in the devastation that is left behind after the destruction of Assyria and Israel, a shoot is going to grow up out of branch is going to grow up and bear fruit from the tree that had been cut down and destroyed. 
we could plant and grow a church. Jesus is this tree. Jesus is this living tree. Jesus is this Christmas tree that will grow. Just like the tree in the Englishman's home, God's tree is a huge tree. And when Jesus fulfilled his mission, when he came to die for the sins and when he had been raised from the dead, it's a tree that is large enough to hold the world on its branches. Whosoever will, let him come and follow me. The trees of the branches of this tree that is Jesus are large enough and strong enough to hold you. The branches of the living tree, the branches of this Jesus will not bend and break by the weight of your sin. He will and has taken care of your sin and he holds it. He lifts you. He keeps you. This tree that would sprout, this tree that would grow, Jesus. person described this tree, described Jesus this way. He was born in an obscure, obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. He became an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a house. He didn't go to college. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He never did one of the things that usually accompany greatness. But Jesus is still changing history and changing lives. Rich Mullen said that he he did not have a home. He had the shoulders of a homeless man and he carried the world on the shoulders of a homeless man. Someone else said Socrates taught for 40 years, Plato for 50, Aristotle for 40, but Jesus taught for only three and a half years, yet his influence infinitely transcends the impact left by the, all the teachings of those other men. Jesus painted no pictures, but the finest pictures ever painted were painted to the glory of God. Poets were inspired by him, music inspired by him. Jesus is the central figure of humanity, this shoot that shot up when all the, the forests have been cut down, this shoot that shot up. So this tree God planted in Bethlehem, Jesus became this big tree. From the stump of Jesse, The stump made room for the shoot. The stump made room for the shoot. When you buy a tree, you go to the store or you go to the farm, you go to the tree farm or you go to, and you cut down that tree, which I think you guys did yesterday. 
don't take it home and just lean it up against the wall. You have a, a holder, you have a container, you have a stand that you put the tree in, and it makes sure that the tree stays upright. You're able to decorate it, you're able to, to sing songs, you're able to put your presence underneath it. something that holds it up it's in the same idea that this prophecy in Isaiah 11 tells us that Christ's tree also needed something to hold it hold it up Jesus in John chapter 5 verse 31 said if I test about my, testify about myself my testimony is not valid Jesus had several witnesses several things that supported several things that that testified to the fact that Jesus was this shoot that would come up from the ground that would come up from the the stump his works what Jesus did his his miracles his 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 works the way that he could he could cast out devils the way that he could heal the sick the way that he could he could raise the dead the way that he could speak to nature and command nature to be obedient to his voice. His works testified, held up to his claim. Something else that testified to him was John the baptizer. He said, here, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. His father, even at that baptism, said, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. He's testified that Jesus is the shoot that would come from the stump. John chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus says this, You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. He says, these are the scriptures that testify about me. This word right here, this book right here, it testifies to Jesus. It testifies, it points, it holds, it keeps, and it it points us to Jesus Christ. This is a testimony of Jesus. All the old prophets, the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, it pointed to Jesus. And then Jesus came, and what did he say? The things that you have read in the Old Covenant, the things that you have read in your Hebrew Scriptures, they are about me. I am the shoot from the stump. In those Scriptures... There were over 300 prophecies concerning the Messiah, all of which Jesus fulfilled. One of those prophecies declared that the Messiah would be born in the line and lineage of King David. And David was a son of who, do you know? Jesse. So even when Jesse's was cut down and was laid there nothing but a stump the shoot still sprang forth it's 
message of prophecy is the Prophecy is one of those things that held up the claim. Jesus is the son of David, and David the son of Jesse. Thousand years of prophecy. One of those prophecies was that he would have been born in the line of David, the son of Jesse, and Jesus. Listen, when those trees were cut down, when, when, when the Lord laid the axe to the tree and cut the forest down figuratively, he laid there Israel and Assyria and Judah. They saw the desolation. They saw their captivity. They saw the judgment. They lived the judgment. They lived the captivity. Even when Jesus came, they were under Roman occupation. But they held on to hope. a shoot would rise that there would be life again they held on to hope hear me church it is never too far gone for you to lose Desolation, occupation, and captivity—they didn't know. They didn't know if they would see the fulfillment in their lifetime. They didn't know if they would see the the restoration. They didn't know, but they hoped. They didn't know when it would come, how it would happen who it would come through, but they didn't stop hoping in the promise of God. Don't stop hoping. Jesus is coming. As we talk about Advent and as we think about Advent, as we think about the coming of Jesus, Advent is about anticipation, it's about expectation, it's about longing for his coming. And so we celebrate Advent and we, we long for the coming of the Christ child to, to show up in a manger. We long like they long for that, for that shoot to come up out of the ground. They long for him to come. And so at Christmas we, we remember their longing and how the, the hope of Israel, the long expected Savior would come and he would be born in that manger. There was hope the people and so we with them we remember their hoping and their longing and their anticipation but we also hope and we also long and we also anticipate the next great event in the church and that is the second coming
Jesus came the first time to bear fruit and to give gifts. We see that Jesus fulfilled these prophecies that no other religious leader, no other world influencer can claim, no other Instagram influencer can claim to have as many followers as Jesus. But Jesus didn't come to be, just come to earth to merely be an influencer. Jesus came to earth to be a savior. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. You might have life to the full. Jesus came to give life. Jesus came to bear fruit. Jesus came to give gifts. Isaiah 11, I'll read it again. A shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Christmas trees don't usually bear fruit. But God planted a tree in Bethlehem, the Messiah, and this tree would bear fruit. What kind of fruit is he going to bear? You read this, you read this, let's be real. You read through this and you're like, this is kind of weird. Wolf's lying down with a lamb. We got kids playing with cobras. This is, and they're not G.I. Joe's. This is weird. Michael got the G.I. Joe joke. Appreciate that, Michael. Isaiah 11, 6, it says, the wolf lies down with the lamb, the leopard lies down with the goat, the calf, the young lion, the fattened calf, they get together, a child will lead them, a cow and a bear will graze together, their young ones will lie down together, the lion will eat straw like cattle, an infant will play beside a cobra's pit, and a toddler will put his hand in a snake's den, they will not harm or destroy each other on my entire holy mountain. For the land will be as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the sea is filled with water. You read through that, you're kind of like, this guy's kind of, what is, he, what is this even, what, this is weird, what is he talking about? Uh, there, there are some who would take this prophecy to, to be a literal prophecy in the sense that there will be a day, one day, where wolves and lamb lie together, where kids can play with snakes, where they won't harm each other. And while that may be a fulfillment of the prophecy, it's not a complete picture of what the prophecy is about. It says, in that day, the day when the wolf will lie down with the lamb, in that day, what day? The day the wolf lies down with the lamb. The root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his place of rest will be glorified. This is, this is Isaiah 11, verse 10. And it's quoted by Paul. This is so cool. It's quoted by Paul in Romans chapter 15, verse 12. And he applies it. 
to the day of the church. He quotes verse 10 along with several other Old Testament scriptures to show the Jewish Christians in Rome that God had always planned to include the Gentiles in his church and in his plan of salvation. So if Isaiah 11.10 is a description of what the Messiah is going to do in the early church, then verses 6 through 9 do as well. I haven't seen any literal wolves spending time around lambs of late, so what could Isaiah be referring to? He's referring to the second coming of Jesus when the earth is full of the knowledge of the Lord and Jesus rules as king over every nation and tribe and tongue. We long for that day as the Jews long for the Messiah to come in the first time. And as Jews who have not received Jesus as Messiah are still looking for that Messiah. Sadly, they have missed him. But he still is reaching out to every tribe, tongue, and nation. We long for that day like Mary longed for the birth of the Christ child, like Simeon in Luke 2 anticipated and saw the promise of salvation for all peoples, the light of the Gentiles, the glory of Israel, like Anna and that same day in her old age after years of waiting saw the redemption of God's people in an infant son of God. Luke chapter 2, oh, this is such a good verse, I love this passage. Luke chapter 2 is such a cool story. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law. Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace, as you promised, for my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation for the Gentiles and glory for the people Israel. There was also a prophetess, Anna, daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband 70 years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. They were anticipating the coming of this Messiah, this shoot. They were hoping in this Messiah who would come. We also are longing for that day when all the wrongs are made right, when we are ruled by the Prince of Peace. We long for that day, but more than just long for that day, we hope for that day. Heather read this morning, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lust, and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. I just want to read this again. Listen, 
for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation. Who appeared? Jesus appeared. Grace appeared in the person, Jesus Christ, bringing salvation to all people. Whosoever will let him come to Jesus and be saved. Instructing us then, if we are this people of God, we are then instructed to deny godlessness. We're to deny worldly lusts. We're to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present. We are to deny godlessness, to deny worldly lusts, and to live sensibly, righteously, godly in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope. The blessed hope. What's the blessed hope? Paul, Paul uh, Paul tells Titus, he tells us right here in Titus, what is the blessed hope? It's the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is our hope. Our blessed hope, our great hope, what we long for, the reason that we live righteous lives, the reason that we, 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 uh, we abstain from worldly lusts and we, 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 we deny godlessness, the reason that we live justly and, and holy lives before God is because we are waiting, anticipating the great hope that is to come, and that is the appearing of our Lord and Savior, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, every eye will see him when he comes. It's the blessed hope. So like the Israelites, the Jews, the Hebrew people long for the Messiah to come. We too long for the Messiah. Whosoever will into his family, into his kingdom, he will return. To take possession of his people and establish his kingdom right here. The same Jesus, the angel said to the disciples, the same Jesus that you see ascending, you'll see come down in like manner. We have hope because the same Jesus that went up is coming down. himself of sin. He will cleanse and appease the earth. He will rule and he will reign and his kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. It will be a kingdom 
hear a lot about one world government, right? We hear people talk about a one world government and somehow that that's going to be and it's just ushering in the end. How many of you have ever heard that? You've ever heard that? Raise your hand if you've heard it. You know what though? Jesus sits on the throne and rules. The problem isn't the one world government, the problem is the ruler. When the ruler is Jesus, <laughs> there will be nothing but peace and righteousness and justice and mercy and love and healing and forgiveness. morning. How many of you have already decorated for Christmas? You've already got your Christmas trees up, decorated with lights and ornaments. That's good. It's festive. But those trees are either dead or artificial. And when the season passes, they'll either be thrown away, burned up, or put in a box thrown in the attic. But there is another tree. There is a living tree. This tree you want in your home, you want in your heart, and it's in your life. Because this tree is the shoot that grew up on this stone. This tree is Jesus of Nazareth. This tree someone you'll never want to throw out, throw away, store in a box. This tree you'll want to keep up year-round and let the whole world see the light of the star from the shoot from the root. There is a tree promise to us. This shoot that will grow up from the root. Thank you for this hope.
that we have is hope in that great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who we anticipate, we celebrate, we worship today. If you have not put your faith in this Jesus, in this shoot that grew from the root, today,
God did. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for the remission of your sins. to set thy people free from our fears and sins release us let us find our rest in thee come thou long expected king thank you Jesus for your presence some sort of paper in the, the bucket this morning. The bucket is back there for you to, to give. Remember, giving is an act of worship, obedience, and faith. And that's how we give, out of obedience, out of faith, and out of worship today. Don't forget our announcements. Um, and uh, I believe that, that uh, you'll be blessed. And uh, can you do the announcements while you play the piano? Huh? Can you do that? That'd be really cool. Good, man. See what happens. 